Welcome into another edition of New Track Record. Caleb Hatch and Justin Kinney with you, ready to recap a speed-filled, drama-filled weekend at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway for Indy 500 qualifying. Alex below your pole sitter. Graham Rahal out, now back in. We'll get to all of that, but first, hello, Justin. Hello. Is it is it race week? Do we have a race it is. this weekend? We do. There oh, is okay, a race good. this weekend. Excellent. I, I have been informed there is a race this You weekend. have been informed. Yes. Powers the B have told you that there, yes, indeed, <laughs> is a race coming up on Sunday. It is Indy 500 race week. So much going on. In fact, on the podcast, we have a lot of content coming your way. If you missed it earlier this week, we've already posted interviews with Simon Pagino, the 2019 winner, both Foyt drivers, Santino Ferrucci, and Benjamin Peterson. Plus, be on the lookout for even more driver interviews that will drop this week as well. Uh, in fact, I think you're going to be pretty excited for some of the drivers we have coming up the rest of this week in particular. It will drop Thursday, Friday, and one on Saturday morning just to space them out a little bit. Plus, don't forget, we'll have our Indy 500 Carb Day live show at IMS. If you're not in the Fort Wayne area and can't listen on the radio from 3 to 4 p.m. Eastern, don't worry. You can listen 1380thefan.com, 1380thefan app. That's a free download. Or on your smart speaker, and you can send texts our way or tweets our way, uh, text, uh, it, it's, it's simple. 46862 is the text line number, and then you can text us your Indy 500-related questions, or you can always tweet IndyCar Podcast is our handle on Twitter. So uh, those are ways to get in touch with us, with us during the live show. But let's first recap qualifying, then we'll get into Graham Rahal out, then back into the Indy 500 field. And some other interesting news uh, we we've had throughout the week. Indy 500 qualifying. So Saturday and and I was there over the weekend both days. Saturday, I was actually cold. Really? Um, because we were in, in the shade, the shade in uh-huh. E Penthouse. I had brought like a, a a quarter zip pullover and left it in my friend's car when we parked. Uh. That was a mistake because we were cold basically the whole day. Uh, sitting there in shorts and a t-shirt, but the weather was was otherwise great, especially if you're in the sun. Um, great crowd on hand. In fact, 85,000 over the two days. The biggest qualifying uh, crowd since 2013. And it was noticeable. Like It, was, it? Okay. it was noticeably Good. up over the weekend. So, plain and simple, when you have faster speeds, I think you're going to draw more people. I also think that culturally, the Indy 500... I don't know if it was the pandemic or, or people coming back. I feel like it's kind of in this rebirth phase again. I would agree. I think that was even before the pandemic. I think the pandemic then fueled it afterwards, particularly when you didn't have any fans in 2020. And I also think, at least to me, I think bumping adds a a added dynamic too. And we're going to talk about it in a little bit, but just the, the, the drama that, comes with bumping is just tremendous and at least to me is exponentially bigger for me personally for bumping more than the top end of the grid the top end i just want to see fast speeds but yes the the bumping is is way more dramatic and i think way more way more meaningful i, I think I, I think another thing you talk about crowds being up a scarcity aspect when you can't go in 2020 and then it was limited in 2021. Last year we had we had full crowds, and 
You had 325,000 people or so on race day. We're expecting at or above that on Sunday as far as the crowds. And they're probably not going to sell out of reserve seats, which would trigger the, the local blackout in, in the indie area being lifted for TV. But I think they'll be close. And it wouldn't shock me if we see that happen next year with the addition of Kyle Larson to the field. But I, I just think when you have storylines like bumping, that's a selling point. And, and I don't know which day was bigger as far as crowd-wise. It was hard to tell because the the timing was different. You know, Saturday right. was an 11 to, to 6 affair, whereas Sunday, really, you had a couple practice sessions, but then reality is track activity 2 to 3 and then 4 to 6, basically, to, to right. put it simply. So it was a bit different as far as a later arriving crowd. Great weekend, great weather. I think that had a lot to do with it. Well, maybe a lot, but but an added bonus for people going it was great weather it was warm uh except you on saturday (laughs) um clear skies relatively but not brutally hot and not cold bitter cold either so great weekend all around for uh for indycar so let's start with bumping first because i think Uh (laughs) that was the more dramatic thing on sunday afternoon so it was clear going into the weekend we thought come Friday, either Callum Eilat or a Ray Hall car wouldn't make it unless, you know, someone crashed. And obviously that would, that would set them back greatly. So, um, going into qualifying day on Saturday, but Eilat and his team, after a very sketchy first run with that new chassis, went back, got it dialed in solidly in the field. Uh, no issues for him as he will now start 27th. Remember, everyone moving up a slot because of Graham Rahal stepping in for Stefan Wilson. Uh, so he will start 27th, solidly in the field. I think some of the other surprises, Augustine Canapino actually out-qualified him by a spot. Yep. Um, he was solid, and especially after brushing the wall in one of his runs um, over the weekend. I think uh, Catherine Legg being the fastest. Yes. Or the least slow RLL car. That was, was a, a surprise. surprise. She was locked in on Saturday. And then you, you get the Ray Hall car. So Stingray Rob probably expected him to be there. Coin was slower, but th- then they've been in years past, but also different engineering staff, different resources, much younger team as far as experience goes. We expected the Ray Hall cars to be there, quite honestly, going into the weekend. Um, and, and that was it. Those are the two teams represented four, right. four drivers for three spots. And what Jack Harvey was able to do, I think was probably one of the most wild things I have ever seen in qualifying at the Indianapolis motor speedway to go out, to be slow for Graham to be ahead of him in that 33rd spot. And then go out again with what? 15, 20 minutes remaining and still be slow. You thought that's it. We're just going to, the clock's going to run down. He'll make one more last ditch effort right before just because you need time to cool the engine. He did do those cool down laps and that definitely helped. And there was a deadline as far as when he could go on track to do those. And it had to be outside of the, the final 15 minutes, I believe. Yeah. Then for him to go back, back out with under five minutes remaining and be slower first lap and then steadily improve. Yeah, and it was all about consistency. The slimmest for him. of margins, knockout Graham Rahal was just an unbelievable scene. The, the reaction from the crowd, the cheering, just I, I think it, between the cheering and people being absolutely stunned, like myself, it was just, it was hard to believe that that's really what happened. 
even though we knew a Ray Hall car would probably miss the show unless Stingray Rob crashed. And that did not happen. It lived up to what bumping is and, and shows how much we missed it. And, and I've been vocal too on this podcast about, look, if you have 34 cars, just start them all. But I've kind of changed my tune based on what happened last weekend and the emotion and the drama that we had despite just bumping, quote unquote, only one car. And I, I'm down for it. If this would have been a a year like the last couple with just 33 cars, we're not talking about as, as many storylines and, and, and chaos as we saw over the weekend. So give me one, give me 10. I don't care. Just as long as we have extra cars, do we, so we have bumping over qualifying weekend. I, I think it absolutely delivered. And what Jack Harvey did does not only did it put him in the show, did it, did it save his ride for the conclusion of the season? At least um, you could easily make the case because there are rumors going into the season. Marshall Pruitt, but on, on racer.com in a season preview that there are drivers waiting in the wings. And we thought that'd be Ryan Hunter Ray. And instead he's with Ryan Reinbold, solidly midfield qualifier. Um, but we thought he could be a potential replacement. Linus Lundquist who's testing with the team on June 8th. Get that. will be after Detroit. But I think Jack Harvey's ride, I would say is safe the rest of the year. You think so? I, I don't, I'm, I'm not there yet. Um, he exits early in the 500 struggles at Detroit. I could still see him being replaced, but at least for the immediate, because auto racing, everybody has short memories, but for the immediate future of Jack Harvey, it's set at least for a couple of weeks because of what he did. I mean, it was, it was very impressive, but still just a, a, a terrible weekend for Ray Hall Letterman landing and how you get to a point where you are so off and, and you've been vocal too about talking about the engineering side. And when you hire an engineer strictly from formula one, who is learning on the fly for ovals. This is part of the reason why you're where you're at. This is a team. When you look back to 2020, when Sato and Ray Hall were both in the, at that time it was the fast nine. Now they've expanded to the fast 12, but they were both in the fast nine. Then Sato leaves the team. He has success at at coin. Now with Ganassi, obviously he's still fast. That, That hasn't changed. And the, and the rest of this Ray Hall team is absolutely struggling to qualify. And for this team to go out and hire an F1 guy and Stefano Sorda, okay, look, they had great qualifying pace at the Indy GP. You think about it when you have a new kind of technical director who's newer to IndyCar on the engineering side, it may take some time to, to get locked in. And that team made a lot of changes in the offseason. They were hoping this change would, would pay off. But you look at where they're at now compared to previous years in qualifying, like the, the the speed other teams have gained, you know, two three miles per hour, and this team stayed the same. They're they're stuck. They're stuck in that two hundred thirty mile per hour range for the most part outside a leg. They haven't gained any speed, and this has been a, a growing problem for the Ray Hall team as far as qualifying goes. Really, since that twenty twenty race. When McLaren missed the race with Fernando Alonso, they were very vocal in saying this was never going to happen again. And they made sure with their actions and their investment that it hasn't happened again. Will that be the same result we see out of Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan? They're saying all the right things, but will they make the investment? I'm talking they as in Ray Hall and Letterman and Lanigan. 
is you're obviously don't have the resources that other teams have. And the resources you do have may have been misguided hires is, are you going to make the decisions that you need to make both in changes and financial investment to make sure this doesn't happen again? It can be, it can be just word speak right now, unless you put it into action and we'll see if Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan does what McLaren did said they were going to do, or we're in the same position next year with, with Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan. I mean, look at this Graham Ray Hall last year qualified 21st for the 500 highest of his team. 230.766 was his, his average speed. He went slower this year. So other teams found speed. They lost speed. Uh, Christian Lungard last year, 31st as a rookie. Jack Harvey, 32nd. Uh, Stefan Wilson was, uh, was the, the, did not qualify. Well, he qualified, but didn't have a time that was set last year in that partnership. And there are only 33 entries. Now this year, you know, they, they had to face the consequences so to speak, of there being bumping, but they they lost speed and they qualified even worse than they did before. And when your fourth car, that let's you're, be you're honest, a lot of people car. questioned the hire of Catherine Leg only because she'd been away from from IndyCar and the Indy 500 for so long. Her, her last attempt was back in 2013, her last race. So I think that was kind of the concern, but the sponsor specifically wanted her in the car and she went out and upstaged all the full-time entries of the team. I mean, you, that shows to me, one, she's locked in, and, and that's not a surprise. But also, two, there are some serious issues within that team. Yeah, it creates more issues in terms of discussion when it's like, hey, our, our part-time effort was the fastest on qualifying weekend. And she had some dicey moments as she continued to drop as, as, as uh, drivers improved their times. But... She was safe at twenty. What twenty nine? She was just yeah. in, but that was the highest uh, RLL car. And 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 this is what what can't be overstated is just because Graham Rahal is now in the race with Coin now because of uh, Stephen Wilson's injury with with Ryan Rainbow. or Ryan Rainbow, excuse me, doesn't take away the fact that Rahal Letterman landing it was terrible this weekend or this this month so far this this past week, right? And and how do they fix that? And Maybe it's look at look at what AJ Foyt Racing did this year at Indy. You know what? We're not going to have any extra cars. We're going to run two cars. It's going to be our full time cars. We're going to consolidate our resources. Yes, they got a lot of capital, which is what Rayal Letterman Landing needs to do. They need to add an investment. But AJ Foyt made a conscious effort to say we're not going to add any part time efforts. We're going to go into this thing with our two drivers that are with us all season long, and we're going to make a run at this thing. And look what had happened. Both drivers get in to the Fast 12, and really good weekend for Foyt altogether for qualifying weekend. Maybe RLL needs to approach this. It took a long time for them to add a third car. You add a fourth for the 500. Like Maybe contraction isn't the worst idea for this team that is struggling, not just in India. It was the most high-profile Um They've been example. struggling in, in qualifying outside of the Indy GP all year. Yeah, they've just been not competitive. And, and people and, and making Graham the, has struggled over the years in right. qualifying just for races, period. Absolutely. And you look at the GP, and that's that's why I kind of scoff anytime people say momentum, you can gain it at, at the GP because people thought, oh, okay, RLL got it in, in line at the, at the GP. It obviously had zero carryover to the oval. And... Is it coincidentally that the best result they've had in terms of qualifying and pace has been an F1 style track? 
in the Indy road course with an F1 engineer? I would say no. So there's so many problems with RLL at this point. Yeah, it's a good story that Graham is now back in the field, uh, albeit unfortunate injury for Stefan Wilson, but that doesn't mask the massive issues that Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan has right now, not just at the 500, but in this series altogether. And if you're Jared Hildebrand, you have to be disappointed that Foyt didn't pull the trigger on that third car because <laughs> right? he would have realized, wait a second, I have a shot at the fast 12 and, and clearly Chevy, the preferred engine, at least in terms of raw speed. Now we've seen this before, so I'll, I'll caution that we've seen this before as far as outside of Pelot, Chevy is pretty dominant in the fast 12, but when it comes to race pace and fuel mileage, you know, those are totally different stories Totally, and we'll see how that plays out. But, but I guess final thoughts on on the Ray Hall team and everything that went down, I like that there were clearly no team orders. They just let this play out how it's supposed to play out. That's what Indy's about. And for Jack Harvey, just an, an incredible run by him where the, the odds are absolutely stacked against you. And yes, we did find out after the fact that Graham had a weight jacker failure on his first lap of his first run. Uh, that session well, his only run that session. Yeah. And obviously you're going to gain more speed being able to use that. And he couldn't use that. Uh, and that really set him behind the eight ball. But for Jack Harvey to go out and do what he did, that's the magic of qualifying at the Indy 500. That's the beauty that we haven't had the last couple of years in terms of bumping. And you hope this is not a one year blip. We can. And, and I, and I've said, you know, 34 sucks, but give me 34 next year. 35 would be great. 36 would be best case. I don't ever see in the immediate future getting back to 40, but just give me extra cars past 33 and and it just it raises the stakes of the entire weekend and entertainment factor it's much better i know people love the speeds at the top end of the grid fast 12 fast six all 12 of those drivers that made the fast 12 are in the race and you can make a case for them to be able to win the race coming up on sunday you can't win it if you don't start it and that's the beauty of bumping and it was welcomed back by me even with just one car last weekend and I don't know if if you made this point or, or someone else to me in the, in the last several days. This is incentive for these one-off teams to show right? up and have a chance. Yes, it is. Because Able Motorsports showed up. They were probably lucky that the first day of practice was rained out completely. Then they, they get on track on Wednesday. They worked through qualifying sims. They didn't even do race, you know, pace kind of practice, race setup. But they were solidly in the field. It was never really a doubt. And and Enerson went out, made another run, went quicker. He was good to go. And I think what that team showed when you have the right personnel in place and a quality driver, and y- you can you can go out and win. Now the key is you have to have your own car, and you have to be able to strike an engine deal. But a last minute entry like that to show up and do what they did, you know, we weren't talking about Abel missing the race going into the weekend. We were talking about the Ray Hall team. We well, were based talking on about practice, Hunkos, yeah. But a couple we weeks ago, a couple weeks ago, we were saying Able Motorsports. Yeah. They hadn't done the open test, so they were the clear favorite to miss the race. And they were an afterthought over the weekend in the sense that they weren't in that conversation. And it was very impressive. So if you have the right people in place, you have your own chassis, and you, you get the engineer, you, you get everything ready to go, so at least you can be on track to start practice. You have a shot. And so hopefully this opens it up for more one-off entries and not just, you know, the, the big teams expanding with the, with an extra entry like we've seen over the years and the true one-off entries going away. And, but and between dry Reinbold's pace every year yeah. 
and their ability to qualify mid-pack and able motorsports jumping in this is a a really big boost i think for those people who are maybe on the fence if you're looking at moving up this was a sign that yes you can do it if you do it right especially with neither of those teams really having a technical alliance with any other type of team yes and the fact that and nathan brown had a great article on those last week or the week before indy star that yes the the conventional wisdom is bigger fields at the 500 are prevented because of just two OEMs, but you could still conceivably get to 18 per uh, OEM and get to 36. The problem has been multiple different things is of course the, the uh, Honda and Chevy still have reservations, but they could be convinced. But the fact of the matter is, is there's a lot of um, I guess thoughts that, you put together an effort and you're going to be fighting to make a, make the race, let alone compete yet last weekend, the four driver team combinations that were in last chance qualifying were all full time entries into the series. So does that boost the thinking of some people that want to put a program together that say, Hey, that's a fact that we had some of these one-offs that I wouldn't say easily made the race, but were comfortably in the field Whereas these full-time efforts with established teams had problems. So in that respect, hopefully it leads to maybe some more one-offs heading into the future. And I, I get it that the, the Chevy guy in the, the article you're talking about with Nathan Brown and the Indy star basically, you know, saying, Oh, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's not the engine manufacturer's fault or whatever. Right? Wasn't that kind of his? Yeah, line basically. Because even though we know, like, they lose money on every mm-hmm. engine like, lease, and but you know they pick and choose. They do. And for instance, if if Kyle Larson is the 18th with Chevy next year, and let's say Fernando Alonso is the 18th at Honda, like they're going to make it happen. Correct. Right. So it's all about that. But I think it's too is the incentive, and you can sell sponsors on a one-off now and say, hey, look at last year where these as opposed to one-offs continuously missing the races, one-offs are making the race. I think that helps when you're pushing for sponsors and pushing for investments and, and making an effort and trying to put together a team for Indy only is you can lose, use this year as an example and say, Hey, the bottom four spots competing for the three, uh, for the final row, were all full-time uh, teams. And, and that can, that can mean a lot to people that are entertaining the thought of maybe entering a car next year in the coming years as an indie only entry. And you look at Able Motorsports now, you know, first time they qualify. HMD, I, I get that they're a sponsor and partnered with Coin, but they could split off and they have a lot of cars and lights. Like yeah. you're seeing a bigger lights field and eventually those teams will want to move up and have a shot at the Indy five hundred. I think we'll we'll see that happen. It just comes down to you have to have your own chassis. If you're gonna do it yes. without a technical partnership with a, a full time team you have to have your own chassis. And I think that's the biggest key. That's the one thing that teams are more less inclined to loan out or rent out chassis because these teams have more dry, more full-time entries, which means they need to have then more in the way of backup cars ready. And so they're less inclined to rent those out. So all of this kind of comes together. It's not as easy as saying, well, you need a third OEM because I don't think that's the magic answer I think it's more supply and demand and ability to make the race. And we saw that over the weekend in terms of the one-offs. Meanwhile, at the front of the field, 
we expected Ganassi. We expected McLaren. And I don't really know what we expected from Penske going into it. But uh, Alex Blow wins the pole. Record pole sp- speed, 234.217. Wins by just .06 miles per hour over Renus VK. Very, very close. Not that that's a surprise, but I think going into it, we thought Pelo would be a contender. We thought Dixon would be. VK's always fast. Felix, Rossi, Santino Ferrucci, who qualified fourth, probably would have been higher if not for a fuel map setting issue, I think, on his first lap. Yep. That, that kind of limited his speed. Um, you, you have the big teams up there, but what Foyt did over the very weekend... Impressive. Not just in the qualifying, but also showcasing their speed in the practice sessions, putting up 235s. I mean, this was a complete turnaround by this team for a team that even throughout the course of the season, outside of, I think, Ferrucci had a like 11th or 12th at Long Beach, they've not really showed well anywhere. And to come to Indy, to bring Michael Cannon, who's been paired with uh, Ferrucci in the past, and to have other people in place... This was just an incredible effort. I think a lot of people were rooting for them to to do well. And to see AJ have an opportunity, like a legitimate opportunity, with not one but two cars qualifying well, yes, it comes down to pit stops and strategy and getting lucky. But I would think at least one of those two cars will have a chance to be there at the end on Sunday. I would put my money on on Ferrucci if he could stay out of trouble, and you never know what happens at the 500. And I would still worry about putting together six or seven consistent pit stops yes. to make sure that nothing untoward happens. But what a boost for the Foyt Racing team this past weekend. I mean, the pub that Foyt got over the weekend was equivalent to like the last five Indy 500s oh, combined, it, right? It, it's the best qualifying effort they've had going back to 2018 with Tony Kanaan and Mateus Lace. And they weren't yeah. even fast nine material or, or now fast 12. I think they were like 11th and 13th yeah. on the grid and Kanaan led laps. And that's really the last time they've been competitive at Indy. And it was great to see AJ and 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 all the, the pub that he got. He's always a, a magnet for attention, obviously, when he's at the Speedway, but even more so when he has some, some speed in his drivers. And... He seems like a guy that's going to live forever, but it's it's great to see AJ at 88 years old, at, at least through qualifying weekend, who to have two cars that you could consider contenders, and and that's great to see. And hopefully, it continues into Sunday, in which they have at least one. But as Townsend Bell said uh, over the weekend, at some point over the qualifying, and basically talked to Larry Foyt and say, well, "Where's this coming from?" And, and Larry was basically said, "A whole hell of a lot of money helps out." <laughs> And that's that's what we're talking about with Ray Hall Letterman Landing and is where's that financial investment coming, the added capital, whether it comes from your team owners or a ride by or whatever to help infuse some added um, capital and some a- added resources into that team. That's what it's done at AJ Foy Racing on top of not spreading yourself too thin and sticking with just two cars and saying this is what we're going to focus on. I think more money. And less in terms of less, um, I guess, bullets in the chamber or less uh, six in the fire to really have to worry about. Those two things compounded has really helped AJ Foyt Racing. You hope they have at least a legitimate run on Sunday, but uh, great to see at least for one weekend out of the season, Foyt have a good weekend. Oh, well, and this is the race they care about. Let's let's not kid ourselves. I get it. Every team cares about the Indy 500 over any other race. Yeah, but but for Foyt, AJ couldn't. Care they less. run the the full series. But really, the Indy 500 is what it's about. And 
for them to to have this payoff. It, it was phenomenal to see, especially a, a team that a lot of people talk about. You know, smoke and mirrors, maybe right. as far as they're not you know anywhere close to funded as some of the other teams, especially after ABC Supply went away. Yeah, uh, on both full time entries, and they they dealt with the rocket mess a couple years ago. To see Peterson, a guy who won a lights race, comes in. Look, he's bringing money for that ride. And then Ferrucci got hired. They've overhauled the engineering. Chevy is the preferred engine this year, at least in terms of, of, of speed at the front. I get it. You could say, well, Alex Polo and Ahana won pole, but I think he was an outlier uh, when you look at the, the starting lineup. This was a, a phenomenal turnaround. It was great to see. It was refreshing to see, and you just hope that they can continue that and contend on Sunday. You hope it's a great thing for Foy. This is a team that we know doesn't have the financial resources, even with this infusion of cash from Benjamin Peterson, it's helped, but they would love to be able to get a primary sponsor on the car, on both cars somewhat, right? You have to remember Foy would have run a third car for the 500 if they got, you know, a, a full sponsor on, on both entries. Yeah. They said the that season. if they could get two, they would add a third, but that clearly did not happen. So hopefully what they can use the last weekend as people want AJ Foyt racing to succeed. And I think they, people would be more interested saying, introducing yourself with AJ Foyt racing. You're already in the door because of Foyt. Right. But if you can point to some tangible results, then it's an easier sell. Obviously. So if they can get some tangible results, particularly at the biggest race in the world this weekend, then I think that helps sell to sponsors and advertisers and potential partners more than, hey, we were AJ Foyt racing, but we're not very good. And maybe they just needed, with all these new pieces in place with the team, two new drivers, you know, some new time. engineers, new crew, yeah, just some time and having that extra track time to get everything dialed in. And now you hope, you know, moving forward, we can start seeing a lot more pace from them week in and week out what we'll see and we'll see what happens with them Sunday. The other teams at the front, Aaron McLaren, we expected them to be there. Now we thought they'd get potentially all four drivers in the fast six. And instead they're limited to just two, the two full-time entries. Uh, well, two of the three full-time entries and Felix Rosenquist who had the top time Saturday and then Pato award and and then two Ganassi entries and one Ed Carpenter and then one Foyt. Who, who would have thought that? Yeah, right. Um, only one Penske in the top 12 and Will Power. Do you want to talk Penske first or Ganassi first? Um, look, Ganassi. Let's talk okay. Ganassi first. Let's talk Ganassi because I think it was not a surprise that a Ganassi won the poll. I think it was more a surprise that only one of them truly challenged. I mean... Dixon had speed, but it was never pull-worthy speed. Alex Pillow was far and away the, the guy who had the, the speed when it came to the top 12 and fast six qualifying. Um, for him, what a turnaround it, it's been. He wins the NDGP. Uh, he wins the pull for the Indy 500 and all this while he's going to McLaren next year. This is all so awkward and interesting at the same time. He's been your pick since the GP to win the 500. He gets put on pole, earns the pole last weekend, I think Ganassi is fine. I mean, yeah, you 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 thought maybe they would have more towards the top end outside of Pelot, particularly how they ran on on Saturday. But it's all sometimes because it was so close. 
minuscule differences. They're all they're all competitive. All four of them can win the race, and I think that's where Ganassi wants to be. Is yeah, it's great to have the pole, and we also have four cars that are capable of winning this thing. And and I think Ganassi is comfortable. Whereas Penske, once again, seems to be on the struggle bus. One note on Ganassi, Takuma Sato, every time he's qualified top nine, he's won the race. So just keep that in mind. He's my guy, too, that I wanted to put money on before I get into the weekend and don't forget. Because I think Pelot's obvious pick right now to win. But even looking at it right now, and I'm going to look at it with the odds, is you just feel like every time with Sato in a competitive car, which he's in, Mm Mm-hmm. Could find a way, and he's at plus twelve hundred right now. And I think for a two-time winner that is a cap- that is in a car that's capable of winning the race, I think that's a steal right now at plus twelve hundred. I, I think you look at Rossi, you look at Sato, you even look at Tony Kanaan. As far as guys like it, to me, and I think we'll talk about more of this on Friday for the Carb Day show. But to me, you got to be in that top ten to twelve range, in my opinion to win based on what we've seen from where the winner's starting position has been the last handful of years. Uh, you know, you could go all the way back to Rossi's win in 2016. I think that was the last time a winner came from a double digit starting position. Yeah, and you could say extenuating circumstances with, with fuel. Yeah. Right. And that one. So, but Pinsky, uh, I mean, they were just bumping each other out of that. 12th yeah. They're slot. the bottom part of that 12, that 12. And that was the highlight. And I think a lot of people say, Oh, you know, you can't, Count Team Pinsky out. Like, when are we going to say that this is a team that for the series is still the standard, but at Indy, for whatever reason, they just aren't getting it done? You go back to ever since Pinsky took over the Speedway in the series, he's had his hand off the, the day to day of the team for obvious reasons. Like, you, you got to run an entire track, an entire series. Yeah. But that that, that kind of hits, hits on, on you when you like to vent about that is people looking at Roger as opposed to maybe Tim Sindrick. Yeah, and I'm not saying like Tim's doing a bad job here. It's just a different style and leadership, and they're still winning series titles. So it's not like the drop-off is there. It's just at Indian particular, for whatever reason, they've lost something. And and you could pinpoint, well, it's also that the aero screen came in, and, and they haven't, you know... Yeah, but they have the most resources out of yeah. anybody to figure that out. Correct. They have the funding. Now, I think you could argue McLaren has more funding because yeah. they're a bigger organization overall, but Pinsky's a billionaire. It's, let's let's right. not kid ourselves. Well, and here. I think it's it's too. You still want to go to the established team. The, yes. the best team is Pinsky. They, they have right? a, a so they have a better driver lineup than McLaren. I get the McLaren has a lot of hype, but Scott McLaughlin, multi-time race winner, Will Power, multi-time IndyCar champion, Indy 500 winner, yeah, only, Joseph Newgarden, multi-time IndyCar champion. Yeah, I get that McLaren has more Indy 500 wins on their team. But Felix still hasn't won a race at McLaren. He's won polls. We, right. we think he's been close. Pato's won a handful of races, but we're still waiting for that breakthrough for him to be a, a 500 winner and or series champion. Now, could that happen this year? Absolutely. Tony Kanaan won a 500. It's been a decade. Now this is a strong car, but it's still a one-off effort. Um, so to me, Penske still with their three entries, I mean, they have three proven guys. Guys who can win on any kind of track, any week, and who can contend for a championship. McLaren, you could say that driver is still Pato Award, and that's yeah. it. Unfortunately for Joseph Newgarden, starting 17th now in this race, and we heard it on 100 Days to Indy and all that stuff, how important Indy was and is, and, and who knows, maybe Joseph Newgarden 
goes out Sunday and wins the race. And, and then I'm, people can tell me to shut up. But when do we reach a point with Joseph Newgarden, who has had one podium at Indy all time, where that wasn't even with Penske, that he is underperforming, not Penske, but he is underperforming at Indianapolis. When does it become a him thing and not a Team Penske thing? Because we've seen Will Power win this race. Um, Scott McLaughlin, you expect him to be there, but but Joseph Newgarden has raced in this race, what now, 12 times? Is this going to be his 13th start? I believe it is his 13th start, and Kanan won in, what, his 11th start? And that was that felt like a long time coming with, with Tony Kanan, and when does Joseph Newgarden... This is his 12th start. Okay, when, when does Joseph Newgarden open himself up to criticism that he is one that can't get it done at any... And when does he reach Michael Andretti territory where it starts being concerning if he's ever going to win one? Now, of course, this all goes out the window if and when he wins on Sunday, but I, I just find Joseph Newgarden phenomenally likable, and that's probably why we don't hear that narrative is blaming... Joseph Newgarden for the struggles. It's more of a team thing. And I, I think you fall in the same thing with Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan, and Graham Ray Hall. And you can have a conversation about that too. Maybe we'll have it here in a bit. But when does it fall on Joseph Newgarden as not performing? And my dad kind of told, he's a big Joseph Newgarden fan. He, he kind of mentioned this tongue in cheek, but it's true. It's like Joseph Newgarden should just do exactly what Scott Dixon does on race day at Indy. Like, because Scott Dixon just somehow, some way, luck or not, will find himself in the conversation on Sunday again like just whatever he does you do in terms of pit strategy and all that stuff because um, Joseph Dugarden is 0 for 11 and hopes to change that on Sunday but is starting 17th it's a tough position to start and for him I mean you're getting to that point where to go that long until your first win I think Sam Hanks has the record if I'm not mistaken as far as any 500 starts before first any 500 win but Newgarden's in that dangerous territory because at some point, like you're, you're, you're just not going to win this race. Yeah. And, and even his wife said it on hundred days to Indy, like every year, the pressure Hanks mounts. one is in his 13th Newgarden's starting his 12th. So it, like that pressure moves up and up and up. And, and for the best American driver of this generation by far, right. To have not won the Indy 500, it, it's shocking, right? Because every year we go into the season like, yeah, Justin Newgarden, he's going to win yeah, the Indy 500, the race, especially because he? he's been with Penske now for several years, but it happens to coincide with the down years of Penske, not just in the race, but in qualifying. Like, I think their their best result in the Indy 500 in the aero screen era was like, a, was it a fifth? And that was Newgarden in 2020, and he was never a contender. Yeah, I mean, it's it, part of the issue is obviously Andretti, but... When does it become a point where and you, you, the parallels to Michael Andretti, arguably the greatest American driver of his generation, right? Never won an Indianapolis 500. Is is the book already being written on Joseph Newgarden winning multiple titles, winning a lot of races, greatest American driver of his generation? Well, at least Newgarden doubled up Michael on titles because Michael only won the 91 card title. Yeah. And you think about how many races he won, what, 42 races in his career. But And Newgarden's going to end his career probably at or above Michael and race wins. He's, he's already at 26. So, but you, you sure without that 500 that. win. Yeah. And uh, how, how long do we go until we start looking at it and say, maybe it just doesn't happen. And, and for willpower on the downward side of his career, 
I mean, he's still competitive. He obviously won the title last year, right. but the, the race wins aren't coming as often. Uh, a lot of drivers, 42 years old in this field, he's one of them. And, and then for Scott McLaughlin, a guy who outside of Texas finishing in second in what, what last year, like we need to see more growth on ovals. And part of that's just inexperience, right? But at the same time with Penske, you don't have that longer leash to, to get there. And you just, you want to see that happen. And, and to me, they're great drivers as far as their, their discipline on, on all different kinds of tracks. But at Indy, the last several years, this team has simply not been in the conversation. I think that's something, if you're a Penske fan or a fan of the drivers, and, and something I think we want to see, like, prove us. Like, prove us that you can still be a contending team for wins in the Indy 500, because it's shocking. Even though it's just been since 2019, it's shocking it's been this long. When you're the power team in in the series, there's a lot of onus on you to perform all the time. And when you're not, then you're open to criticism, and that's kind of where we're at with Penske. But would I be surprised if Will Power won this race Sunday? No. Joseph Newgarden? No. Scott McLaughlin? No. But I, I, I'll i disagree. I'll be surprised if any of them win. Really? Because I, 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 can't I, put I think... Over- Again, they're starting outside the the top ten, and, and to me, you got to be one of those cars up front. Like qualifying is important. Again, we had a stretch where you had drivers starting outside the the top ten for a, a couple of years. Um, you, you go back to you know with the early years in the DW twelve, you know qualifying, you know maybe wasn't as important. I feel like qualifying is back to being very important now. Not like you got to start front row, as far as what. We we saw you know often in the, in the 80s for example, but I think it's just really important now and, and even a stretch in the 2000s where the racing was less than ideal like 20, 2009 2010 right right where it was pretty hard to pass the end of the previous uh, Delora era but I, I just think you got to qualify up front and Penske's not doing that I think you can still win from mid pack you just need a lot more to go right and we really haven't heard much this week and maybe we'll start getting a this conversation um, on Friday, but how is it going to race on set on Sunday? Yeah. What's the, what's the, are we going to see a lot of passing? I think is it's weather be, dependent. And I, the weather looks great. It's going to be mid seventies and mid to upper seventies to low eighties. That's the forecast trending. But how are, you know, can these cars run better with the added, um, you know, arrow and downforce levels and all that stuff in traffic. And I heard Pato say, I think, after the open test, yeah, if you're car one or two, you can pass. But if you're back in the pack, it's really tough. And we haven't heard much of that in practice with that a, a conversation. Is it the same as what you expected? Is it different than what you expected? Is it easier to run behind somebody? Is it easier to get a run? Is it more difficult to get a run? Well, I just haven't heard those questions been answered, albeit because there's been plenty of other storylines. But I hope as the week continues and we get into Friday and, and and hopefully maybe when we have some of our additional driver interviews this week, we can ask Romain Grosjean and Pato Ward is, hey, how is the how is the car in traffic comparable to the last couple of years? And do you expect a a more passes or less passes or, or same amount? Or do you want to be running first as opposed to second late? And, and all those conversations, hopefully we get some answers this week because we're kind of entering the weekend right now as not having a lot of out of answers. All right, let's get to Stefan Wilson, Graham Ray Hall. First off, obviously best wishes to Steph as, as he uh, recovers and, and undergoes surgery actually today, Wednesday, as we record. 
to, to continue to help heal his back after suffering a fractured vertebrae. Nasty crash. It was bizarre with, with leg running into the back of him in, in turn number one, and everyone got checked up, and just she just ran out of space and time to to uh, check up on on uh, Wilson, so he's out, and moving forward, Graham Rahal gets the seat. Honda guy, first ever race in a Chevy. He did do a race Iowa, I think, in 2009 with uh, Dry and Reinbold Racing, so it's it's been a bit, but Good to see this happen. He was the obvious choice. He already had track time. Now he's going to have to learn a lot, right? The, the The positive is they're both tall drivers. And so that maybe that transition from the car, but going from a Honda to a Chevy to a different team where your yep. steering wheel setup's different. And Graham even saying, I think in a racer.com article, you know, I, I'll take a screenshot of the steering wheel and, you know, memorize everything. Uh, he'd already talked with Ryan Hunter Ray about, you know, different map settings on, on on the car. So there's a lot to learn. And in fact, both drivers, there's a lot to learn because Ryan Hunter was a Honda guy forever. So that will be interesting to watch. But I think the other thing is if Chevy has the, the pace in the race, like we think it will, he'll have an opportunity to shoot right past his teammates. Maybe as soon as lap number one. Yeah. He'll be the fastest guy back there based on, on car performance. Right. So he's going to be surra- surrounded by his teammates uh, from RLL yet. will probably have the fastest car out of all of them. He's not going to factor into winning this race, but if no. he can climb into mid pack, I think it'd be good. It's good to have Ray, Ray Hall in the show. Unfortunately, it comes at the expense of Stefan Wilson and uh, just a, a terrible situation for him. And hopefully his recovery goes well. It's nice for Rayal to be in, but it doesn't take away the the pain of not making it with your home team. But uh, it, it just it worked out this way. Good to see C. Graham starting it. But um, and, and this was an example of relationship building. Obviously, Graham was teammates with Justin Wilson. Yeah, and it was close with the Wilson family, so he has that obvious tie in. He even mentioned that the carekeepers guy. Uh, is donated to Graham's foundation, and so they, they have that relationship. United Rentals, Fifth Third Bank will carry over. They'll find a way to make this work. I'll be curious to see what the car looks like. Right. Um, but this is good for all all parties involved. I, I think I'm just glad that Honda and Chevy work together to make it happen. In the end, I mean, Honda and Chevy are rivals, but they're also partners in the sport in IndyCar. They work a lot together with the hybrid technology and all that stuff. Like, I don't think it's a, a big of a hurdle Honda and Chevy now as it used to be in IndyCar. And it's not obviously as big of the rivalries in Formula One and even NASCAR with engine manufacturer and engine manufacturer. I think first and foremost, Honda and Chevy are partners. They want to beat each other, particularly at the 500, but they also will work together to do what's best for the sport. And the best thing for the sport was Graham Rahal being in a seat. They made it happen. And it's great to see. Graham Rahal and Catherine Legg will each get... Uh, a hardship shakedown of their their new cars. Fifteen minutes of track time Thursday. Obviously, they'll have the two hour carb day practice practice session as well to really get their cars dialed in. So that's a, a added bonus for both of them. All right. If uh, you agree or disagree with what we've had to say, well, we'd love for you to interact with us. You can find us newtrackrecordpodcast.com. While you're there, sign up for the email list. You'll never miss an episode or any special announcements. A lot of emails going out this week because well, we've had. Episodes every day, if not multiple a day. So sign up to the email list. It's free. Also check out the store. We have t-shirts and stickers for sale there. 
on social media, on Facebook. Just search for New Track Record. You can find us there. Instagram and Twitter, IndyCar Podcast is the handle. You can always email us, NewTrackRecordPodcast at gmail.com. You can support us via Patreon, patreon.com slash NewTrackRecord. Thanks to Xavier, Rob Stitch, and others for their support. And you can support us starting at just $1 per month. And as always, you can listen in for free on your favorite podcasting platform, Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, etc. Again, all for free. Mailbag time. And we have some items to get to a lot based on Indy 500 qualifying. Mom 2X over 2002. And also shout out to her because her brother in the U.S. Army deployed and... He's the one who turned her onto the podcast. So a shout out to, to him. Uh, the Blackjack Brigade from Fort Cavazos currently deployed overseas. She says, hoping he gets to watch 500. So that's really cool. So listening to the GP recap, we don't have cable and only watch via Peacock. Peacock ratings should be counted. Yes. The problem is NBC picks and chooses when they release those numbers. Well, and I imagine they would release them if they were very high. Yes. That's that, kind of my that's, thing. That's... Because we have ratings Always that have come thing. out for the weekend. Did you see this for qualifying weekend? Yes. Relatively flat from last Yeah, you know, I, I'm not five six. I'm not qualifying as an in person crowd. It's not for totally. the TV viewer. I'm not really concerned about it. But the fact that you didn't have anybody that 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 NBC has yet to mention the peacock number for qualifying weekend tells me it wasn't great. Even though now that's for why. the race, I'm sure they'll mention it because I'm sure it will be. Great. Yes. And every little bit counts on the TA. And, and here's where, where I have a, a, a problem with Peacock and I we're advocates of Peacock here for sure. So take Saturday. So qualifying coverage started at 11 o'clock, correct? Yes. Did we have a practice on Saturday morning? Yes. Okay. But there was a, a long gap because that was yes. from 830 to 9. And I had that on at home. So it was live. I watched that live. I have to. I had to work on Sun on Saturday, but only part of the day. Like I was going to get home around four or four thirty. So, but unfortunately, the qualifying coverage on Peacock was one gigantic seven-hour block, and you can't rewind all the way back to the beginning. It's I don't know if it's like a three-hour or two and a half hour. You can only go back a maximum amount. So when I started watching, I could only go back to an hour into qualifying, and I'm like, well, I'm not doing that. I want to watch it right from the beginning. I couldn't do that. I have to wait till six o'clock and the replay then is posted to then start watching from the beginning. So I was playing catch up and you and I, you were, you were trying to text with me to discuss storylines, but I couldn't because I didn't have any information. And then I'd text you when I, when I, when things would happen and you're like, well, just wait, blah, blah, blah. But it was, they have to make it easier for, for Peacock. They have to break that broadcast up. Uh, Ideally it's a, 11 to 2 because what the broadcast was 2 to 4 on M- on NBC make it 11 to 2 block 2 to 4 block 4 to 6 block but no they had a whole 7 hour continuous coverage so I couldn't watch so as as great as it was effectively 7 hours with not much in the way of of commercial breaks except the 2 to 4 for NBC I couldn't scroll back and watch all the way from the beginning at 4:30 I had to wait till it was all over and that was frustrating yes and that's the downside when it's live, you can't go back to what's already happened in live time. That right. is that is a frustration I have had as well over time. Uh, you posted a poll. What are people more interested in at the time, the race for the poll or last chance qualifying? No surprise, 66% to nearly 34% people more interested in last chance qualifying. Uh, Carter, 1971J, said C, both. 
Vicky Lane 26, definitely the LCQ. The emotions quickly shifted once it was go fast time. Listening to Pelos Pit ask him, are you ready to go really fast and watch him do exactly that was awesome. DC Soda, I really don't care about row 11. I want to see how fast someone can go around IMS. Yesterday should have been pull day and today needs to be bump day. Give them both the focus they deserve on different days. That I can get behind. I fully yes. agree with that. I would definitely agree. For me, much more exciting on the back end of the field. Polichevchenko, last chance qualifying is most exciting, but that doesn't mean I'm not excited to see if we can get a pull over 234 miles per hour. I, I just wish they were both separate so they each had time for us to kind of dive into them and not gloss over the other. Because yeah. to me, the storyline out of the weekend was Graham Rahal failing to qualify, not necessarily Alex Pillow getting the pull, because when you put them back to back, you pick and choose. And it was the same thing in 2019, right? With Alonzo missing the race and, and Kaiser getting in. That's what, that was our takeaway. It was not Simon Pagano winning the poll. Like, give them each their their time. Right, definitely. Indy 500 Trump having more than 33 cars puts more juice into the whole week. And only be passing mention of Eilat and Rahal's struggles without the chance of missing the race. Difference between 33 and 34 is huge. Do you like the format in the sense that they do bumping before the poll? Or would you like them flip-flopped? I would like poll day on Saturday, bump day on Sunday. But then nobody runs on on Sunday. That's the problem is you do that and nobody's going out on track on Sunday other than the last True. chance qualifier. True. True. So that's, that's the why they have the format the way it is. Now, right. it is for TV, but also because unless you're going to have 40 plus entries. Yeah. Like even with 36 entries, there's not enough intrigue. Yeah. I mean, you just have the same three car, like four cars, you know, making runs yeah. constantly. So, yeah, you got to have 40 plus entries. Now, would I love to go back to having four days of qualifying. Yes. That's also not realistic, Correct. but I think two full days of qualifying, if we can get more entries in this race that, but that would require more than 40 entries, but they've done it for TV. And also it's worked for in person because we mentioned yes. earlier in the podcast, the crowd, yes. both on Saturday and Sunday, it's worked to get people to the track both days. Yes. And I think that is key. Uh, some other notes uh, from beyond the flag. Not only that talking about the, the, uh, you, you mentioned this running for pole is exciting, but bumping just hits different. Even if it's just one car. So it's back to an every year thing and beyond the fi- flag saying not only that, but let's hope the schedule is a permanent fixture of the weekend. It's perfect for any number over 33. Yes. I would say once you hit 40 though, then you actually should just shift to having pull day bump day. But I don't, I don't see that at no. any time soon. I coming that I don't that crazy again. I, I just don't. Um, there's not enough money. There's not enough engines. Um, quite frankly, right now, I I highly doubt there's enough chassis to even yeah, get to forty. True, true. You know what I mean? So uh, you posted this: the fact a full time IndyCar driver didn't qualify, and the four drivers in LCQ all being full timers help woo more partial or indie only entries to the speedway. And and we talked about that. Yep. Cole the show bear said teams want to do it. Honda and Chevy don't produce the engines for it. And it is more complicated than that. I think also there's a shortage of chassis. Like in years past, think about it. You could show up with a year old chassis. Now, Mm -hmm. yes, some of these chassis are old and they've been around for a long time, but there aren't multiple manufacturers. So you don't have a Penske chassis, a Lola, a Reynard, a a Dan Gurney, you know, chassis. Uh, You don't have a March, (laughs) like a, a Galmer, like, you could show up with your own chassis based on the rules and regulations. It's just, it's different. 
It is different. And I think a lot of it, I think has to do with, with money is if you were the thir- the 38th driver team combination to sign up is, is how are you going to be able to get proper investment and capital to convince somebody that we're going to beat four other five other cars to make this race. And it's not just having a third OEM. Exactly. It's not just a third OEM because then I think you just cut back and you say, okay, each team's probably just going to, or each OEM is only going to have say 12 max. Yes. Because that's what you're going to see. I don't think you all of a sudden have a third OEM jumping in and say, yeah, we're going to support 17 too. And you're at what? 51. That's not happening. happening. You'll be lucky to, to hit 40. Yes. Uh, it helps, but still, is, is who's going to be that 40th team that has enough qualified personnel, driver, equipment, money to say, we're going to beat seven other drivers to make this race? It's difficult. In a way, having spec, which has made the, radi- the, the racing better, having a spec series um, is also the same reason why we don't have more entries. Yeah, like if you had multiple chassis manufacturers and they found enough value to do it, you know that would help. And I get it; TV ratings would fix everything. If the Indy 500 doubled their TV rating from last year, this year, and the, and then you know, you're talking six, seven, eight, nine ratings, like a nine or ten, which they're getting, yeah, you know, pre-split. Like, yeah, you're gonna have a lot more interest because that's just the reality. Like, there are more people watching. Yeah, so that is absolutely. That's another factor. Uh, Vicky Lynn, 26, possibly. If I were someone contemplating trying to run the 500 this past weekend, would definitely get me thinking we had more than a slim chance of making it for sure. Tyler underscore Allen. I think the catalyst for more entries lies with Honda and GM. Again, I, I still think it's more complicated. Poet Shevchenko, I think so. It won't be the only factor, though. The news of high track attendance during practice and qualifying weekends are true. I think those will also encourage Indy-only entries again. Eh, I, I don't know if it, it, the the attendance is going to impact a team, but no. I think more so what Able Motorsports did impacts a team. I definitely agree. I think Catherine Leg too. You come in as a part-time entry, yes, with an established team, but you're the fastest. That helps. Um, but yeah, Able Motorsports has to be really the the um, the catalyst with this, at least for this year, plus the fact that everybody in the last chance qualifying was full-time entries. All right, time for news and notes. Plenty of items to rifle through here. So let's start to the items a bit further back from last week. We'll also get to some qualifying notes that we did not get to as well. So starting off, Kyle Larson, obviously there last week on a practice day with Jeff Gordon, but Justin Marks, owner of Trackhouse there. Now, he's always mentioned, oh, yeah, we'd love to run the Indy 500 someday, but you just wonder if that's sooner rather than later. Could potentially be, particularly if he was there and and really uh, got the edge. Now, he's been there before, hasn't he? I think so. Um, But if he keeps coming back and keeps falling in love with the drama and excitement, then maybe it's something that happens sooner rather than later, particularly as he continues to have success on the cup side. Yeah, we we shall see. Meanwhile, for the Indy 500 this year, a couple of announcements. Jewel will sing the national anthem. Adam Driver, Mishawaka native will be the honorary starter. So some more of those announcements coming in. Um, Let's see what else. As far as qualifying notes, the tie between Ed Carpenter and Tony Kanaan, that was unbelievable in qualifying speed. Just incredible. How close. On Saturday for a top 12 spot. Now the tie, it goes to who set the time first. 84 qualifying attempts on Saturday. 
You thought there'd be a lull. They did a track ins- inspection after all the first runs, and they were right back at it. All day. And this is one thing that NBC got wrong is, is here's what I love to, what I would love to see with the NBC crew and do a great job. But they kept teasing on Saturday that the temps were getting warmer and warmer and eventually you would hit that threshold. And I know Joseph Newgarden talked about it was the 115 degree track temperature, but it never was going to get warm enough for that. I mean, you mentioned being at the track and early on it was cool and it warmed up, but never to the level that it was going to completely make the the track hot and greasy and make the middle part of the day that we see so often just uh, can't qualify during it. it. It just... It was something that continued to deliver. And then you have two former drivers who are great. You have great pit reporters and uh, Steve Letard, who was, was better this year, but he's still background is in stock cars. Like they need a crew chief, former crew chief, former engineer to, to discuss this stuff that can actually give good feedback and good intelligence, because that's what's sorely lacking with the NBC crew. This from Chad 200 on qualifying third straight pull for Chip Ganassi Racing. First time since 91 that former winners filled an entire row. And that would be row number three with Rossi, Sato, and Kanan. Also, Meyershank Racing starting 20th and 22nd. Hunkos 27th and 28th. All four spots have won the race. Eight total. 93 Ray Hall bumped Ganassi on pole. 2023 Ray Hall bumped Ganassi on pole. So go figure. Benjamin Peterson, who we talked to earlier this week, Fastest one lap qualifying speed by a rookie. Um, let's see other qualifying notes. Tightest front row that's ever been seen. Obviously a, a pole speed record as well for that. So just so many records falling over the weekend. And it was, it was fun to see. And, and look, speed sells, right? People show up for speed. And we saw that with the qualifying crowds. All European front row for the yes, first, time, first time. Correct. Uh, no Americans in the top six. I think uh, is an interesting stat. Um, hopefully the crowd that says we need more Americans in the series don't chime in because who would you say are the three most popular drivers in the series right now? Tony Kanaan, Elio, and Pato Award? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, as and, far as for the Indy 500. Yeah. Kanaan's for sure. not full-time, but right. as far and as Elio's, the series goes. And then you would add Romain Grosjean in there. Yeah. Um, all four of those guys are in the top five. None of them are Americans. Yeah. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> Go figure. Yeah. I mean, Pato is far and away, I'd, I'd say, the most popular driver. There's so much McLaren gear. Uh, you and mentioned s- it, too. Some seen, Canon stuff, but yeah. mostly Pato stuff. Mo- mostly Pato McLaren stuff is what you saw over yes. the weekend. Huh? And, and well, and it helps when you have your own booth. trailer. Yeah. You know, it, not hauler. a trailer, but they had like a like a pop-up. Plus, McLaren had their own merch trailer as well. So there's just one for Pato only. Pato yeah, only merch. Yeah, he has his, and he has like sombreros. He signed a bunch of stuff. Uh, nice. One of his sponsors, Electrolit, was giving away you know free samples and stuff, which Sweet. they did last year. So it was a good activation by the McLaren team. And look, you you have a, a driver who's brash, who's young, who's talented, and we're seeing that with a fan base that's growing. It's great to see. Absolutely. Other notes, Marcus Erickson, this from Jenna Fryer, word on the street, two top teams have reached out to the defending 500 winner, saying they'll have offers for him when he's allowed to speak to them. One of them starts with an A, the other one is already getting a different Ganassi driver. So they both start with A, but that would be Andretti and Aaron McLaren. Yeah. If Chip lets Marcus leave, that's on him. Uh, cheap Chip has to stop being Cheap Chip. Yes. He's letting Palau walk. He cannot let Marcus Erickson walk. No. 
And could you imagine we were messaging this about about this? If next year's McLaren lineup at Indy is Pato, Polo, Rossi, Erickson, Kyle Larson, wild, it's stupid. Yes, I mean uh, we we could say it hasn't hit that threshold yet, but McLaren has clearly come into the sport and completely transcended the the. The power. driver market, yeah, the, the the market and just the 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 power rankings of the sport is they've come in and they're spending money. They're spending money on drivers. They're spending money on personnel. I mean, they they huge... ripped Gavin Ward away from Penske and he had a non compete. And then yeah. look look what they did from an engineering standpoint at McLaren. And meanwhile, Penske was mid pack. And I know you know Taylor Kyle goes from Pen, uh, from or uh, excuse me McLaren to Ganassi, and that was kind of. M- Maybe the only thing we've seen in terms of going the other way, but McLaren is in it for real. And eventually, the five hundreds are going to wins are going to start coming. Eventually, you feel the championships are going to start coming. But they've very much come in and really disrupted the landscape of what IndyCar was. And I think it's all positive. And and Chip needs to catch up and start playing the game, or he's going to left. Scott Dixon's not getting any younger. Mike Hall's not getting any younger. You would imagine Taylor Kyle is that guy to ascend to Mike Hall's position when he's done, when he retires. But at the same time, you're letting, you're letting talented drivers go out the door, and it's difficult to. How long did did we talk about when is Ganassi going to find somebody that's going to be a primary driver outside of Scott Dixon because he wanted to get any younger? You had Alex Pillow, you're now he's leave, leaving, and Marcus Erickson's getting overtures from from elsewhere. Eventually, you, you gotta you gotta, you gotta pay open up, up the man. You gotta pay money. Absolutely. So the milk choices are in. Most drivers picking hole. The lone exceptions: Catherine Leg went skim. Benjamin Peterson went two percent. Roman Grosjean went skim. Elsewhere, Sato went two percent. And I think there's one. Elio went two percent as well. Everyone else picked hole. I would do whole just because of the mo- like I'm a two percent guy, but I would do whole. Oh man, I, I just don't know if after 500 miles in Indianapolis, the thing I want to be drinking is whole milk. I know it's the <laughs> moment, of course, but the last thing I need is my stomach to reject whole, whole milk coming down and then I regurgitate it on on top of Victory Lane. I'm going two percent. I I I can understand that. Uh, meanwhile, AJ Foyt with an interesting comment. Talking about F1 as far as should any car feel threatened. No, I don't think so. I wouldn't cross the street to go watch a Formula One race because you know who's going to win. That's not racing. Yeah, well, it's racing for a lot of people. Yes. We shall see. Um, Also, speaking of other legends, the Unser Museum is leaving Albuquerque for a much larger Museum of American Speed in Nebraska. So they'll have a lot more space. Apparently, this was part of the plan. I've been to the Unser Museum. It's very, very cool. Is it? Man, the Unser Museum's leading. The Arizona Coyotes are leaving. <laughs> but he's vacating Arizona, which of which I will be this this weekend in Arizona. In Arizona. Well, that's in New Mexico, the Albuquerque. Well, I'll be in the Southwest. <laughs> yes. You'll be close. I, yeah, everybody leaving the Southwest. Yeah, I'll be close. First time I've ever been out there. So should be should be interesting. And hot. Very, very hot. Yeah, I think the like the lowest temperature is this weekend's like ninety nine. It's one of those things that it's it's almost nice. Like I've I've hardly ever checked the weather. Because I know what it's going to be. It's going to be 100 degrees and no rain and sun. Pretty simple. Yeah. yeah it's, it's not hard. 
<laughs> to know how hot it's going to be yeah. out there. It's pretty standard. It's a dry heat, they'll say. Oh, yeah. It's still hot. Once it mm-hmm. gets above about 90 degrees, that's when the threshold really yeah. starts to wear. And I've experienced 114 degrees. Ugh. It's hot. It is absolutely really, really hot. Other notes to get to. Uh, Dinner with Racers has bumped Risking It All for Indy. Uh, this is a good episode you can watch on YouTube. Uh, I think the Mario Dominguez entry with Ray Hall and let's see what year would this have been? I forget the year that it was 2006, seven. Um, but it's, it's talking about that. So interesting thing to check out there. Uh, Marshall Pruitt. He survived the Catherine Legram Ray Hall crash. Way close. The photo he has is wild. I mean, it's basically him trying to move to get out the way. Other notes. Let's not forget the Pato Award and Scott Dixon starting side by side mm-hmm. in row number two on saw, Sunday after their 100 Days to Indy yeah, interview. Which was great to see. We need more of that. Yes. Uh, David Malukas, he'll kick off the race to the clouds for the Pikes Peak International uh, Hill really? Climb in a Gotham Gray Acura TLX Type S PMC Edition, which is the pace car of the event. So that's really cool to get to have that opportunity. Meanwhile, Max Verstappen, possible fourth US F1 race. F1 trying to steal IndyCar again here. He suggested Laguna Seca. Ah. Has it coasted a F1 event? No, I don't believe so. Uh. Uh, Meanwhile, back in IndyCar, Colton Herta, if you haven't seen the video, a surprise is that Brian with uh, a, a race winning car he had. I think it was his, uh, it was it was the 98 yeah. shell car. Really, really cool video. Uh, was able to surprise him. Meanwhile, Colton and Grosjean and Kyle Kirkwood and Michael Andretti all star in the Motor Homies, which is a yes. spoof on Bus Bros. Very funny. Is it? I haven't watched it yet. I've seen the preview, but it's very funny. Um, and. This is wild. So rumor dropped and now it's been confirmed. Alonzo plans to stay at least until the end of 2026. Now that's the rumor, but what is true is Honda is with Aston Martin now. Uh And there are talks for Alonzo to return to the Indy 500, likely with Andretti Autosport. Could you have both Kyle Larson and Fernando Alonso at next year's 500 trying to qualify? Depends on how the Monaco schedule sets up. But the thing is, the beauty of Formula One and the dominance of one team, Aston Martin is, I guess they're competing for manufacturers. It it would work because Monaco's earlier. It's the same weekend as the GP next year. Oh, really? It doesn't coincide with that? Yeah, because it it doesn't coincide with the Indy 500 every year. They've kind of shifted the schedule. Yeah, well, let's do it. Uh, You heard it here first. Fernando Alonso is going to do the 24-500. James Hinchcliffe, so uh, he referenced Daisy, I, I think. Yeah. I don't know if it was over the week. So we finally got the full story. So Marco Andretti called him one day, said, I'm buying you something, but only if you promise to use it every day in May. That's all I got. Obviously, I agreed. Daisy showed up. If you've seen or heard this thing driving around Indy, now you know why. Need to call Graham Ray Hall Performance now. It is... I don't know, what, what kind of car is that? Is it an it's a old Nissan? or? Um, let's see. It is hilarious. It's, it's, a, it's a Maybach car. It's a brand of car. Okay. It is a blue little it's a two-door tiny car, basically. Yeah. And he's driving uh, it around. It, it does need some updates. It it's looks great. It's got some Canadian like- bumper stickers and number one Marco Andretti fan on it, which is really funny. Runs on maple syrup is one of the bumper yeah, stickers. Yeah, it's a Nissan Maybach, basically. Okay. 
um, it, it looks like a car that you could pick up and carry under your uh, arm. Yes. As it looks like. Very tiny. All yes. right. Time for Tweets of the Week. This from Jake Query with IndyCar Radio. This Sunday, approximately one in every 1,000 people in America will be here. Picture of IMS. Isn't that wild to think about? It like that, that's absolutely It's insane. true. Yes. But it, it's, it's insane. Uh, other tweets of the week this week. There are a couple others. A little sneeze there. Man, I'm like you. It snuck up on me. Yes. Uh, this from Kiffin Simpson, who's a development driver for Ganassi and uh, Indy Lights. 235, and it's the, the meme of David Malukas's face. Uh, <laughs> if you know from over the weekend. of Yeah, he was very It looks animated. like uh, an, an emoji. Um, as far as him, like his kind of jaw dropping, uh, it was pretty funny. And then this one, why is an ex NASCAR crew chief, the guy explaining the inc- intricacies of an IndyCar wheel that from Joey Barnes, 85 who's with IndyCar. Uh, yeah. Can't agree more. Yes. You, you have a, now I think Steve Latar did do a decent job, but he's, he shouldn't be on the 500 broadcast. Somebody that worked, give me a Larry McReynolds type. That's actually worked in IndyCar. That's the part I like. I find it offensive when they put NASCAR guys on IndyCar broadcasts. Uh, we saw it with Rusty Wallace. Yeah, we see it I mean, now. Dale Junior's fine. Dale Junior's fine because it's only race day, and he's coming at coming at it from a perspective of he's like a fan who just has yeah, a different he's the element. spectacle type. The thing problem is they're trotting out Steve Letarte like he's some sort of expert, right? And he's not, and he knows he's not. At least he's admitted as much, but like. If he's supposed to be, and he's not like a household name where it's like, oh, this is going to gain us viewers like Dale Jr. is. It's like, why do you have Steve Letard on this on this broadcast? I don't understand. And and it, it didn't deliver over the weekend. I'm sure they could find someone or maybe, you know, someone they had in the past who could explain all those intricacies. I don't know, like Jan Bikas, maybe. Oh, maybe. I, I get that that ship, unfortunately, is probably sailed by now, but still missed. From the yes. technical aspect on the broadcast. Totally is. Absolutely. All right. Random split air driver of the week. Time. All right. We're going to uh, cart and we're going to go to 2000. We're going to go to Dale Coin Racing and talk about Takuya Kurosawa. Who? From Japan. Takura Kuyusawa raced for one season with Dale Coin Racing. He raced only about half of the season in 2000 for Coin. And his best finish was 12th at Detroit. Um,. He raced, let's see, eight total races, uh, withdrew from Milwaukee, did not start at Nazareth, did not start at, let's see, Michigan that year. Um, but that was his one and done. He raced in a lot of Japanese um, racing series, Formula 3, Formula 3000, uh, also did Le Mans, but obtained sponsorship to drive in cart in 2000. Eight starts of the best finish of 12, like I said, First Japanese driver to lead a champ car race when he led seven laps at the Long Beach Grand Prix. He then went back to uh, Japan and raced some 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 formulas there. Um, but that's about it. And that was his one and done eight races total with Dale Coin Racing. And uh, that was it. Headed back to Japan. Uh, and he teamed with, at least on the team now, not necessarily at the same time, but Galter Salas. I think we've covered him as the random split air driver. Tarso Marquez, who had a Penske ride right yep. for, for for a bit, um, and Alex Barron, an yeah. IRL guy who 
I remember from the Team Cheever Red Bull days. So I do too. And I, and I do believe what uh what engines were they running? Was it just Ford Cosworth or no? Uh, they were Ford Cosworth as far as coin. Uh or, no, they had to be Honda, right? In the IRL, Alex Barron would have been like Infinity, I think. See, that's what's interesting is is there was sponsorship gained by Kurosawa, and I presumed it was just a Toyota or Honda. So he was Ford. It was actually Cosworth. Ford Cosworth. Yeah, yeah. But so, uh, which is interesting. I meant Alex Barron was in Infinity right. with Team Cheever, but right. um, yes, they, these are blasphemous. What's crazy is I look at Cart in 2000. I'm like, okay, how many like teams have carried over even to today? But it's a surprising amount. Team Green, which became Andretti, Andretti Green, which is now Andretti Autosport. Their participant, obviously Dale Coyne. Been around yep. forever. Team Ray Hall, which is now Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan Racing. Ganassi, Team Penske, Penske and Ganassi. Yep. So a surprising amount. Uh, PPI Motorsports did not. No. Make it over. But they had Oriel Servia and Cristiano D'Amata. So. Yeah, a decent lineup. But yeah. Um, first driver to ever lead a kart race, uh, Mr. Uh, Takuya Kurosawa, this week's random split era driver of the week. Four OEMs. 2000 in cart and multiple Plus chassis just Reynard Swift Lola as far as the chassis manufacturers now there's only one Swift and that was a with with coin but it just goes to show you like this was how it was back in the day and the I get heyday it. I guess you could yeah, say I mean, at least for cart carts heyday you could say was what mid 80s to about 2000 yeah Late and then 90s. it really fell off because they still had a lot of success post split. And then the 2001 season when they had to cancel Texas, that's when everything, yeah, started I mean, falling everything apart. went downhill right after that. Yep. It was very quick. All right. Well, be sure to look for more special episodes of driver interviews this week. Plus don't forget to join us for our carb day live show, three to 4 PM Eastern. You can listen at 1380thefan.com, text us the text line number 46862, or tweet us at Podcast and participate in that. Again, Friday on Carb Day, 3 to 4 p.m. Eastern, our live show stream live at 1380thefan.com. We'll post the podcast after the fact. For Justin Kinney, I'm Caleb Hatch. This has been New Track Record Podcast. Podcasts by Federated Media.